Welcome to Tradewinds, the mindfulness and nature podcast with Chloe and Joe from Kadama.org. Today, we'll be exploring sustainable eating and foraging with Jess Starwood, tail-ended by some mindfulness meditation with Chloe. Thank you for joining us. Let's begin. Jess is a forager, plant-based chef, and herbalist with a Master's of Science degree in herbal medicine. She teaches wild food and herbalism classes in Los Angeles for adults as well as children. She hosts monthly wild food tasting events featuring her latest culinary creations, forages, wild foods, and herbs for Michelin star restaurants in Los Angeles, and is also the co-founder of the Farm and Forest CSA program. She's currently working on her first book on mushrooms, which is ready for next year. Um, and then Jess, where, where are you today? Are you are you calling from home? Um, I am actually in Maine right now. Um, oh, nice! I am out looking for mushrooms uh, to photograph for my book, and I just got here. I've never been here before, and I just got in last night, and it's amazing. It's very different from where I usually am uh, in Southern California. So it's, it's, uh, very eye-opening and I'm like just trying to process all of the new (laughs) and unusual, but yet familiar plants and mushrooms. And it's like, Oh, I've seen that in a book somewhere, but I don't know what it is. I know I've seen it. And so seeing things and yeah, it's, it's just all new, all new. (laughs) That's yeah, awesome. I think it'll be it'll be mushroom season in Scotland uh, very shortly. In fact, it, well, it's the thirty first of July, isn't it? So usually August mm. marks the start of, uh, of of mushroom season here. Although I know you can you can you can pick before then, but uh, I might have to keep my eye out when I'm on my walks. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Um, so yeah, I was just just thinking about foraging in the past couple of days, actually, and I was I was thinking that I've actually had quite a, f- a few. Uh, foraging experiences myself already this year uh, and certainly at the moment it's berry season in the UK and uh, I'm starting to pass hedgerows uh, when I'm out and about ever more optimistically um, <clears throat> and I've uh, been, been lucky with a few bounties so far I managed to pick some raspberries um, as they've come through and uh, this is also the first year I've collected elderflowers uh, and I oh. made a very amateur attempt at making some natural sparkling wine, uh, <laughs> which had uh, very moderate levels of success. Um, but oh. I had a, a lot of fun learning about, you know, what can be done with something that I would normally just walk or or drive or cycle past without any thought at all, um, without even thinking, you know, this might end up on the dinner table or in a in a glass. And uh, right. even today, actually, uh, we collected langoustines uh, directly from a fisherman in Maryport which is the town I'm, I'm hanging out in at the moment um, which I know it's not not foraging as such but uh, you know sourcing something uh, directly from the person that's you know picking it or, or catching something is is, is yeah, different to what a lot of us would usually experience going to a supermarket or yeah, you know sourcing something through a, through a wholesaler um, so you know I know you've dedicated your uh, your, your time to running a business and uh, heard from Chloe that you're teaching classes to, to adults and children that, and, and, and these focus on uh, how we can sustainably use treasures like these. Um, so can you maybe tell us a little bit about what it means to forage 
and what the benefits are to eating locally and in season. Yeah. Uh, so foraging, I mean, it's it's kind of a fine line. There's some people who are, you know, against foraging because they feel like it's, it's um, you know, you're taking from the land, you're being greedy and and taking advantage of of the environment and hurting it and it's damaging to it but on the other side um you know foraging is you know that's completely natural to us as a species as an inhabitant of the earth is you know we're just doing what we're naturally supposed to be doing um and eating locally eating the food that came you know, from the land that we're living on or visiting or passing through is so much, has such a different impact on the environment than buying a, a a hamburger at McDonald's, you know, how much went into that just to put that $2 meal on your plate. Um, It has much heavier impact than, what um you know walking through the forest and picking some berries has and it's also about connecting to your environment and you're consuming these plants and mushrooms or animals or whatnot that are thriving in that environment um they've adapted to it they've they're accustomed to the climate you know when you're consuming that and putting that into your body you know you're it's if we look at it as chemical compounds which you know have dna and looking at it at a molecular level you're when you're consuming them you're basically communicating you know there's chemical reactions happening there's um information being exchanged and all of that is coming from the environment where you are right now you know right here right now whereas mm your if you're eating stuff that's been processed that's been stripped down to you know something that's not even recognizable as a plant or animal or you know something that came from the earth then you know your body and also something that's come from on the other side of the earth that you've never actually seen in person but you're eating it and you know that has adapted to a climate that is completely different than the one that you're in at the moment. And, you know, I, it doesn't surprise me that people are suffering from allergies. So, you know, mm. and what are allergies? Allergies is, is your body um, recognizing something or assuming something's bad that it hasn't seen before. You know, it's, you ha- you're introducing all of these compounds into your body that, you know, if you're eating, um, oh, say some exotic superfood from the Amazon forest that, you know, you've obviously never been there. You haven't have no experience with it, but yet you're eating them because some marketing, um, marketing company told you to, because it's the hottest, latest superfood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, you're, your body's like, whoa, okay, what is this? Hold on, let's gather the forces. And, you know, we're having all of these autoimmune diseases. We're having so many allergies. Um, you know, our body's just 
are like, what is all of this? Um, so foraging, I guess to go back to your question, um, foraging for me is about, you know, kind of slowing down, taking in your environment, reducing your impact on the earth, um, and living in a more harmonious way, you know, and, and as a person learns about foraging, I have found that, um, people soon become more aware of their environment. They become more aware of like, whoa, why are people, um, why, are, why, why is this city coming in and spraying pesticides and herbicides all over my park that I like to go forage, you know? And, mm. and it, so it, it raises a lot of questions and then it gets people thinking uh, a little bit more um, with a more environmental kind of perspective. Sure. That, that was fascinating what you, you, you mentioned about allergies. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I guess I, one, one thought um, that, 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 that's come, come to my head actually is, have you ever come across anyone who has, you know, maybe someone that's, that's attended one of your classes or just someone you've, you've, you've come across through, through your business or, you know, through day-to-day life? Have, have you met anyone that maybe suffers from allergies and has maybe moved their diet closer to uh, a, a point where they may be consuming more foraged items or less refined foods and c- can you actually can you undo an allergy by by, uh, by that means i be- i absolutely believe so because i can speak from experience um that was one of the reasons why i got into nutrition and um, learning about holistic medicine was I wanted, I had horrible allergies growing up as a kid. Um, and then into my early adult life, I just, it was crippling. I would be sick most months of the year with severe, um, sinusitis and allergies. And I just generally never felt good. I would have headaches all the time. Um, I, just yeah I just did not feel well so that led me on to my path of like I need I gotta feel better this can't be how life feels Mm -hmm. and so it was really a personal um path that led me on to all of this and um I've had other people I've worked with as well who have noticed big differences too um cutting out a lot of processed foods and uh, refined sugars and a lot of that stuff that most, you know, most dietitians and nutritionists would say uh, to uh, get away from. Well, I've got a few friends and, uh, and, and, and family members, in fact, actually, who do suffer from, from allergies. And, uh, yeah, they're not necessarily allergies that have been lifelong. Uh, mm-hmm. So that, that, that does fascinate me. Um, and I guess on a much bigger scale, uh, kind of raises questions about how certain societies are you know in terms of very sterile living sterile housing uh oh, yeah. modern housing for example you know they're designed to be airtight boxes almost aren't they and uh yeah some people some people can and could could go for a long long time without coming across dirt or you know some of these <laughs> things which maybe contribute towards uh, some of these allergies that you, you mentioned right uh yeah you know it's and that's 
that dirt, that is our environment. That's what we need to um, strengthen our immune system so that our immune system is familiar with all of those microbes and microorganisms and and particles Mm. that then if you take all those away, suddenly our body encounters them. You know, we go out for a walk and we're like, oh, whoa, I've got like an allergy (laughs) attack. I can't go outside. Oh, hold on. I need to go take my allergy medication. And that's, you know, introducing more chemicals into your body. And then, you know, you're separating, trying to separate yourself from, uh, yeah, all of, you know, from nature. We've talked a little bit about, uh, sourcing food and, and, and foraging. Um, and, uh, I know, uh, some of this uh, through through your, your line of work you're you're using for herbal remedies um, as, mm-hmm. as well as the dinner table. So, how would you recommend uh, if there was someone out there who wanted to educate themselves and and start looking into this sort of stuff and you know taking it into their own hands to 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 find unrefined products that they can um, you know use to. To, to live a healthier lifestyle? How do you start? Well, I know it can certainly be overwhelming to want to get into herbalism because there are so many uh, medicinal plants out there with so many different uses, and many of the uses are very interchangeable. Um, you know, you, you look up a and open up an herbal book, and you have a list of herbs that are good for, say, a headache, and you're like, well, which one do I choose? How do I, what, where do I start? Uh, yeah, it can be extremely overwhelming, but what I tell people is, um, to pick either go for one plant and learn everything you can about it. Um, I like to recommend mint or at least a mint family plants. Uh, mint is good for so many things and it can, you know, even though it's like, Oh, well, you know, I have mint in my toothpaste, but <laughs> mint mm-hmm. is actually very well-rounded in, it addresses very many things, um, uh, so many things in, you know, that you can have in your herbal apothecary and have on hand, you know, from headaches to uh, stomach aches and nausea to um, even uh, fevers and colds and um also helps to lift the spirits you know it's um quite a very powerful herb um and then you know for somebody who feels like they have that down they can start looking into another plant that calls out to them you know i I definitely believe that plants um speak to us you know they'll start showing up in our subconscious you'll be going for a walk and you'll be like whoa I never noticed that mm. plant before. Like, there's there's dandelion. I keep seeing it everywhere now. You know, it, it just kind of pops up. And a lot of times, if we're, you know, kind of aware enough, um, those are the plants that we're needing um, in, mm. you know, in our diet or in our lifestyle that um, kind of are meant to help us. And, you know, that's, that's what the plant world is is out there for. It's it's there to support us. Um, we just have to listen to it and let it speak. I love that. There's there's actually a jasmine bush 
um, near my flat that I've walked past and, you know, you can't walk past a jasmine bush without stopping and sniffing it because it smells so good. <laughs> um, but I wasn't aware that we even had stuff like that growing because I live really central in London. And I'm lucky enough to live next to a garden that the the woman that I think curates all the plants that are growing there has done it so cleverly. Um, there's something always growing. She's really clever about knowing when to plant, when, when certain things are going to be coming into season. Um, and so I've been kind of getting more and more interested in trying to learn how to identify some of the plants that are in there and, you know, maybe what some of their uses are, but, you know, I was finding it definitely daunting, um, to kind of say, you know, where do I start in learning, you know, whether or not any of these are things that I could, you know, potentially use, um, in my cooking and things. There's a small, uh, herb patch in the garden that's free for people to pick. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, I think things like that, when you just stop and notice and when something's speaking to you or calling out to you because it smells good or it looks interesting, or it's just like you were saying, just kind of happens to be there a lot. Um, that's a, that's a good, that's good advice. I think to kind of think, well, well, why don't you look it up and see what, what that one plant is and focus on that one thing. Um, or even looking in your kitchen cabinet, what do you already have, uh, to hand, you know, Mm -hmm. that's cool. Yeah. Or even just your favorite, favorite plant. And it's like, well, maybe there's a reason why it's your favorite plant and, and just starting from there. And then it, it just builds, you know, and you start at one plant, then it gets there's another plant, and then this and this and this, and and then before long, before too long, then you have, you know, those are your allies. Those are your plants that mm. uh, are meant to be, you know, in your apothecary and um, that you've worked personally with. Um, mm-hmm. I have a lot of people who ask me about, you know, Chinese herbs and stuff that I've I've never seen before, and they're like, well, should I try this? And I'm like. I don't know. I've never worked with it. I, I know the plants that grow here and that I've worked with for years. And, you know, yeah, you can research some obscure plant, but um, for the most part, everything, everything we need is right around us, even, even in the desert. You know, I go back to, mm. I, I originally grew up in Phoenix, Arizona, and uh, I was like, oh, there's nothing in the desert. It's just a wasteland. But, you know, the more I go back, the more I'm like, wow, it's just full of abundance and there's everything we need right here. Maybe we can mm-hmm. use a little bit more water, but, <laughs> you know, everything as, you know, there's food, there's medicine, it's all right there. And that's everywhere. Yeah, we had a similar experience uh, back in, February this year, uh, we took a trip down to Southern Africa and mm. visited a uh, an area called the Little Karoo. Mm. And uh, as we were driving through from a distance, it just looked, it looked like this arid desert landscape. Uh, and to be honest, it's not the kind of environment I've spent any time in. So I started reading up on it once I got there and started looking closer and closer at the ground as we were walking about and going up in hills and and and, and following streams and. Uh, it was incredible, the amount of plants, and uh, it, I mean, it's it's one of the most diverse uh, habitats around. Um, yeah. But I would, I would, have, I would, have, it was something. It was just not what I would have expected at all. Um, and, mm. and clearly, some people spend a lifetime, uh, you know, in, in, in investing uh, 
in, in, in researching and uh, exploring these habitats because there's uh, a lot that can be learned from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, Jess, one thing, uh, one thing I've been uh, thinking about a lot this year, and and, and perhaps other people have been uh, following a, a similar journey, is looking at all the actions we do day to day, and thinking about what uh, impacts those actions uh, mm-hmm. are having. So, in relation to foraging, are there any invasive species that you can forage for? where the action of foraging for it would actually be benefiting the environment. Is there a way you can forage and leave the ecosystem better than when you found it? I feel like absolutely. You know, um, if, and that's why I think education is so important um, when it comes to foraging and learning how to tend the wild, um, as they say, uh, you know, when you're collecting flowers and herbs and whatever part of the plant, you know, you're collecting with them in with a mindset of how is this, how is my, how are my actions going to affect the continuation of this plant and its role in the environment? You know, uh, by when you're trimming, you know, trim or as if you're pruning, you know, so you're going to encourage the plant to continue to grow after you've harvested from it. Um, uh, And taking, not taking every single fruit from a tree, like the elderberry. I, I, elderberry is one of my uh, favorite and most used uh, herbal medicine. And, you know, but I see that the birds absolutely love elderberry. So I'm very mindful not to pick an an entire tree clean from its fruit. So leaving, leaving food for the birds, leaving food for the other animals that rely on these. Um, and you know, at, at one time I did have the idea of, of having a business selling herbal products, you know, wild crafted herbal products, but Getting into that, I realized it, you know, really made it clear what an impact mass production is. And Mm. that just did not sit well with me. And I feel like education is really the, is really the way to go. Um, Otherwise, people are, you know, they're just disconnected from where it comes from. They're like, oh, it's wild. Cool. Yeah, I'll pay the extra $2 for a a wild elderberry syrup. But then, you know, what goes into, you know, having to, to collect that much and, you know, on a commercial scale and commercial farming, you know, that that it has an even more impact on the earth, you know, and, mm. and, um, you know, I don't know the answer to, you know, to our situation. Um, but I do know that no matter what we do, we have an impact on the earth. You know, we cannot, we cannot live without having, um, having an impact you know all of everything we buy at the store came from somewhere and 
like that came from land that has been clear cut and scraped clean and you know filled with mono crops or um turned into you know mining and factories and so you know if you're saying that foraging is bad um and unethical why aren't we looking at what commercialism is doing you know it's Mm. um you know i just had an article published on a major um los angeles um blog and it was about foraging and i i did get some negative feedback about like oh now you're you're promoting foraging and and that's really bad for the environment but in reality, humans are bad for the environment, you know, no matter yeah. what. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, taking a step back and looking at how our day-to-day uh, actions, habits, you know, what we're doing, how is that affecting the environment around us? And um, for me, I feel like educating people and learning how to forage in an ethical and sustainable way and learning what is a native plant, what's an invasive plant, and, you know, focusing on the invasives when appropriate. You know, they're, they're, um, they're choking out the resources for the native plants. Um, and, yeah, they're, they're just as medicinal and edible as as many of the um more highly desired uh native plants too so Mm. so there's that education too i mean you you kind of summed up what we we normally ask our guests sort of as a parting shot of like how do we approach this sustainability Mm. question how do we start living in better harmony with the earth because you know as you said humans do have an impact. And when a human species is overpopulated like we are, then we Mm -hmm. probably have a negative impact on our environment. Um, So, you know, besides going to your website, jstarwood.com and getting your book on mushrooms when it comes out and uh, learning from you directly, what is maybe one sort of final thought that you might have that is an action someone could take if they're interested in either looking into how to um, eat locally or looking into some of these uh, either foraging or herbalist studies um, to start thinking about sort of what they do in their day-to-day? Is there kind of a, a one one shot and you're done or is it more of a process, do you think? I think it's a process. I think it's um, – it all starts, though, with a curiosity. It starts with an interest and – a desire to learn more and find out what is around you, you know, and, and just going outside, uh, spending mm-hmm. more time in nature and seeing what interests you, you know, and let that be the rabbit hole that takes you down into um, the wonderland of, uh, mm-hmm. of wild foods, you know, and, and, you know, it's, it has been researched well that the more people learn about something, the more they are immersed in a subject, the more they care about it. 
and the more that people care about things, the more they're going to uh, try to protect it and hold it hold it sacred. Mm. That's beautifully put. Um, and I think also kind of a, a, a nice integration or a way that that we as at Kodharma are also trying to think about things is that, you know, it's easy if you don't know where your rubbish goes to forget mm. that it has an impact. It's easy to not know the impact eating food has if you don't know where it came from, uh, to kind of to your point. So at Kodharma, we're trying to kind of bring a lot of different perspectives, a lot of voices to, to the listeners, um, and also encourage this mindfulness, this really think and observe nature for what it is. Really look, don't just kind of walk past it. Um, so I think that's really, really good advice. And um, hopefully, you know, we, we at Kodharma and the people listening to this um, will be able to kind of go on that path. So thank you again, Jess, for, for joining us. Sure, thank you. Thanks for having me. Like the way you say, I, I noticed Jess said herbs, and you say herbs. I say herbs. I know. Well, I actually noticed that too while you were interviewing her because she and I were saying herbs, and it became more obvious to me that you say herbs. <laughs> <laughs> Herbert. Yeah. Herbs. I mean, gonna I guess. Need, we're going to need to record different versions for different. Uh, <laughs> different countries so I hope everyone enjoyed that as much as I did I certainly have a lot of ideas now about where I can go to start investigating this beautiful vast world of plants and um, their medicinal properties and also places that you can go to forage and find uh, wild growing food sources that you can actually incorporate into your meals to eat more locally. In the spirit of this sort of exploration, instead of a meditation today, I'm going to actually give you an exercise. So there's a mindfulness practice called the Raisin Meditation, and sometimes it's performed with a tangerine or any other kind of uh, tangible, interesting food product, um, usually a fruit, usually something herbal, plant-based. And the exercise is to approach that food item as if you've never seen it before. So... When you have the time, or maybe you're sitting near your pantry, find something, and I would suggest maybe starting with something like an herbal tea. If you happen to have a bag of chamomile tea, uh, rip it open and pour some of that into your hand. Um, and it's a good way to sort of connect with plants and their properties and their energies, and also just really realize, um, you know, what it is, being more mindful of what it is that you're eating or putting in your body. So the steps that you're going to go through and take your time on each one of them uh, is first to relax into your body, as we've done every week, 
um, really taking time to ground yourself, put yourself in a posture that is both strong and relaxed, sink down into your breath, take a few grounding breaths, become present. And I would invite you then to close your eyes and start with the sense of touch. Really explore what that item in your hand feels like. And imagine what would I think this was if I was to land on this planet for the first time. Do I think it's food? Do I think it's uh, a fire source? (laughs) Do I think it's a living being? What do I think this is in my hand? And once you've established all of the connotations or the senses that you're getting from the sense of touch, you can move through the other senses in the same way. So smells, rub it, rub the substance between your fingers right close to your ear. You can see if you can hear some of those senses. Taste and float your eyes open and see what does it look like? What does it truly, truly look like? Does it look like I always imagined when I'm just preparing my food? This is particularly fun to do with a raisin because I think often we just pop them in our mouths or pop them in our cooking. And if you really take the time to look, they have very, very vast and diverse surfaces to explore. So... Play with those senses, play with that sense of approaching a plant for the first time. And I think you'll find through the exercise, there is a deeper layer of connection that we can have with our foods and with plants um, that, you know, maybe us gardeners or plant moms (laughs) do sort of start to sense as we are growing things. Um, But even at the point of consumption, I think there's a lot to be gained from being mindful and uh, reattuning with some of those um, food sources and plants. And I think this is a really important um, and interesting part of herbalism and herbal medicines and remedies to really actually connect to and sync with those plant energies and those plant properties um, before sort of stepping forward and taking it. You know, I think I personally find chamomile tea, for example, is a lot more calming if I've sat and thought about how calming I'm about to feel and, you know, really smell the chamomile, really looked at its golden buds, um, maybe felt them in my hands. I make loose teas, so it's much easier to do that. Um, But I think that process really does attune you with the properties that are already inherent, which is a very calming property to chamomile. So I hope that exercise is helpful and fun. Uh, I will let you go off to do that in your own time since I sprung it on you at the end of the podcast. Um, And we'll see you again next week. 